hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. So glad you could join me today. When I did our annual outlook back in January, I said I would most likely become more conservative as the year wore on. And today we're going to be talking about what worries me now. But first, let's talk about the big news from last week. Apple. Apple hitting a trillion dollar mark in market capitalization. That's right. Apple, symbol AAPL, is worth a trillion dollars. That's a one, 12 zeros, and four commas. They're the first company to hit the four comma mark, and you have a couple of more that aren't that far behind. They announced what I thought were terrific earnings last week. In my opinion, there were three numbers that told the whole story. First, it was iPhone pricing. Pricing was surprisingly resilient despite seasonality and what was really supposed to be a weakening smartphone market. Now, summer isn't typically the best time for sales. It's usually later in the year when you have the holidays and the new product launches. Second, the high margin services business, that's growing at better than 30%. This is a significant step in transitioning the company from its hardware focus. This is a move from one-off sales to more recurring revenue. And in my opinion, reoccurring revenue should be valued higher than one-off sales. And lastly, it looked to me like revenues from China grew by better than 25%. That's when you exclude currency fluctuations. China grew by better than 25%. And that's when a trade war is breaking out. It's really hard for me to see what stands in Apple's way. They have a great balance sheet, which would support ongoing share buybacks. You know, balance sheets matter. Apple has about $140 billion in cash and a $100 billion share repurchase program in place. Now, the last time I spent any real time talking about the stock was probably back in April or May. And I was a buyer at half under 165 and the rest under 155 at that time. So after earnings came out, hey, I thought it was probably a good time to go back and revisit the targets. With the stock changing hands at about $209 as I speak, or 18 times this year's earnings guess and 16 times next year's earnings guess of what earnings will be, it seems a bit expensive, expensive relative to itself right now. Over the last 10 years, it's traded mostly around 12, 13 times earnings, which when you think about it, is really an incredible bargain. Now, I don't know if people are going to start revaluing it, valuing it differently. I've heard talk out there that, hey, it should be valued like a consumer product type company, which receives higher valuations, but I'm not ready to go there just yet. Apple has been growing its earnings by better than 37% a year 
for the last 10 years on average. Now, you know me, I love rapidly growing companies, but I'm cheap and I don't want to pay up too much for growth. I'd be willing to start buying again if it got down to about 14 or 15 times earnings. So let me translate all this for you. If Apple dropped to 190, then I'd start nibbling. If it got down to the low 180s, I'd buy the rest. Of course, I'm already a known. Okay, if you remember from our annual outlook I did back in January, I said that I would most likely become more conservative as the year wore on. And that's been the case. Over the last couple of months, we've talked about slowly adding some defensive type names to the portfolio. So what's worrying me now? I'm glad you asked. Now, understand, I always say the key driver of any investment portfolio should be the fundamentals, but you do need to keep your eye on the big picture. And as I look at the world, there are some things that bother me. I know this puts me at clear odds with the majority of investors right now, and I'm okay with that. What I see is analysts and investors who are all upbeat. I see the major equity indexes close to all-time highs, earnings expectations that are phenomenal, and the consensus that a recession isn't coming until at least 2020. All this may be dead on, but again, I can't help but be concerned. First, the consensus may be too complacent about the timing of a next recession. The dark side of strong growth is that you get growing capacity pressures. That results in upside surprises for inflation. If you get higher inflation, then interest rates are going to rise faster than what people are expecting, which would choke off growth. Markets usually sniff out a recession six months before you actually get one. Second would be the trade war. Besides the direct impact of tariffs, it also gives companies a good reason to hold off on investment spending. And CapEx has been a major investment theme over the last year. Profit growth is another one. Profit growth has been incredibly strong, thanks in part to the tax cuts that we received at the beginning of the year. But when you have really low unemployment, you usually see wages go up because the labor market is tight, which would lead to lower corporate margins. And last but not least, well, the geopolitical environment is just plain ugly. You have ongoing, uh, the ongoing Brexit drama. You have uh, U.S.-Iranian tensions, possible disappointments with North Korea. When I look at all this, I think it just makes good sense to continue to add defensive positions to a portfolio. The perfect time for equity investing is when markets are cheap. Earnings expectations are overly pessimistic and the monetary environment is highly accommodative. Right now, we have the opposite. Valuations aren't dirt cheap. Earnings estimates are high and the Fed is in tightening mode. So it doesn't seem to me like it's a great time to be aggressive in our portfolios. Now, I'm not saying run for the hills, but I am saying that if you can add some defensive type names to the portfolio, it probably makes some sense. Let's step away, take a break for a minute. When we come back, 
we'll talk about one of the benefits of having defensive type holdings in your portfolio. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing, and we are back in a moment. You've worked hard. You've saved and invested. Now you want to make sure all your hard work pays off. Now's the time to start planning for that future. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. No two people have the same goals and values. We can help you craft a framework for making a lifetime of smart financial decisions that's right for you. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Call us at 301-770-5234. Thank you, and welcome back to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. Before we stepped away for break, we were talking about adding defensive type names to the portfolio. One of the benefits of owning these types of companies, something like a Procter & Gamble, symbol PG, is that they usually pay a nice dividend. In the case of Procter & Gamble, it's about 3.5%. Dividends do matter. Over the long term, dividends make up a substantial portion of investors' total return, and it isn't something that you should overlook. To give you an example of how much they matter, this is according to Morningstar. From 1960, $10,000 invested in the S&P 500 would have grown to almost $400,000. That's if you spent the dividends along the way. Maybe you had a couple of nice dinners each year or what have you. But, but had you reinvested those dividends and let them compound, you would have have, well, you would now have over $2.1 million from 400 to 2.1 million. That's a substantial difference. None of this is accounting for taxes, of course, but you can see the difference of reinvesting your dividends. I'm not a big fan of putting a stock on an automatic dividend reinvestment program because stocks do get expensive. And I want to have the option of reinvesting that money back into a business that's selling for cheap. Maybe I want to buy something else. I'd rather get the cash and make the purchase decision myself. Obviously, When the market struggles, dividends are going to make up more of an investor's return. When the market is rising, like now, companies often feel like they can reinvest their free cash flow into the business and achieve a higher return rather than paying that money out to shareholders. I think going forward, dividends are going to matter more than they have over the last 10 years. When looking for investments, that offer both income and growth, I think you have to look at the sustainability of both. A general rule of thumb would be the higher the yield, the lower the growth rate and vice versa. So there's a balance there. I wouldn't go chasing yield. If it seems too good to be true, well, it probably is. You have to look at companies that are generating ample amounts of free cash flow and have a moderate payout ratio, which means that they can continue to increase the dividend over time. That'll be especially important 
if interest rates continue to rise in the next few years because you want your company's dividend to be competitive with, you know, fixed income alternatives. I would look at companies that have a long history of paying a consecutive dividend and better yet, a company that has a long history of paying an increasing dividend. You'll also want to make sure the business is able to continue to grow in the future. For example, at the turn of the last century, it would it would have done you no good to have invested in a buggy whip manufacturer just because it paid a high dividend because it was a dying business. If a company makes a basic product that consumers need and they aren't likely going to become obsolete and that company has consistently grown at say five or six percent a year and paid a three to four percent dividend well you're looking at an eight to ten percent total return that's probably going to be pretty good and assuming investors are willing to pay the same multiple for a dollar of earnings That's my opinion over the next 10 years. Listen, we've come up to the end of the show. We'll be back next Wednesday. And until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.